Well, during this sermon series called The Godhead, we're exploring in depth what it means that God has revealed Himself in three persons, often referred to as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also in other ways like the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer. We are looking at the primary ways that we relate to each person in the Godhead and why it's important and how to reconnect if, if one of those relationships is broken or maybe not very well developed. Living a powerful life as a Christian is tied to how well we develop our relationship with the Godhead. And so it's important for us to develop a strong and healthy relationship with each person of the Trinity. When we build a close and strong relationship with God, then we're empowered to live the way Jesus showed us. And our relationship becomes strong enough and stable enough not to fail us in moments of testing. For you see, we constantly need to remind ourselves that the Godhead is where we need to turn to have all of our core needs met. So far, we've looked at how God the Father provides us with protection and provision and our identity. And we looked at just two of the many roles Jesus the Son fulfills, that of being our friend and our mediator. And now for the next few Sundays, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit comforts us, instructs us, and most importantly, empowers us. Today, we're looking at the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Now, two weeks ago, when I preached on Jesus, our friend, you may remember that we looked at the opening verses from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, where Jesus is gathered in the upper room with his disciples. They're celebrating the Passover meal on the night that he was to be betrayed. And then he told them that he was going away from them, and they began to become anxious and distraught. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine your best friend announcing that they're leaving? Maybe you've experienced that before. As a child, maybe your best friend moved away. Maybe even as an adult, you had a good friend move. And you know then that there's this empty place inside that is really just grief expressing itself. You need to be comforted. I remember feeling that way when Marge and I, my wife, were dating exclusively in college. We had begun dating together in high school, but not until we had already chosen the universities that we were going to go to, and they were different ones, and they were 300 miles apart from each other. And back in those days, neither one of us had a car, and so the only time we ever saw each other was when we were home here in Cincinnati on break from, from school. And I remember that every single time for four years that we had to say goodbye was really, really hard. And so the disciples were feeling that way. They were feeling emotional as Jesus tried to comfort them. And he told them not to let their hearts be troubled. But he also said that he was going away to make a room for them 
in the, in the Father's house and that he would come back and take them to be with him. And in the meantime, until Jesus returns, he told the disciples to obey his commandments and then he made this promise to them and he made it to us too. In John 14, beginning in verse 15, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus tells the disciples that he's going away but he promises to send the third member of the Trinity who will come and live inside each and every one of them. He calls the Holy Spirit the Advocate. Now, in Greek, in the New Testament, the word is paraclete. And it's a word that comes from two Greek words, actually, that when combined together literally mean to be called to one side, to be called to come alongside. The King James translation refer, uses, translates it as the comforter, while other Bible translations use the word counselor or helper. The message actually translates it as friend. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God inside of us. Now, I think of the three members of the Trinity the Holy Spirit is often the most misunderstood. I mean, God the Father, we can kind of wrap our heads around pretty much. Jesus, of course, is easier to identify with. He was a human being and, and shows us what God is like. We can understand that. But how do we understand something called a spirit? And I remember a generation or two ago when we used to call it the Holy Ghost, and that seems even less helpful to me. I mean, ghosts kind of have this weird image around them oftentimes. So what is the Holy Spirit? And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, I want to share a few things that we can learn directly from Scripture. Scripture says these are some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit was present at Jesus' conception and at his baptism. He lives inside of us. He helps us in our prayer life. He helps us to know what to say. He gives us the words to say. He sanctifies us. He helps us grow in holiness. The Holy Spirit gives us the gifts of the Spirit. He brings forth the fruit of the Spirit. And He gives us power to be witnesses for Jesus. And He teaches us and guides us into all truth. That'll be the subject of next week's sermon, how the Holy Spirit teaches us. So as you might imagine, it's very important that we get the Holy Spirit into our lives. And so how do we do that? How do we get the Holy Spirit into our lives? Well, the first thing for us to remember is that the Holy Spirit is eternal. I mean, the Spirit is first mentioned in the very opening passages of Scripture from Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. 
And we see the Spirit throughout the Old Testament. One notable example, and one of my favorites, is in the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37. You remember when Ezekiel has this vision of a valley of dry bones, and it's the Spirit of God breathing into those bones and, and bringing life and, and sinew and, 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 and everything, life, back into those bones, and they live again. But the Holy Spirit was poured out in a new way in the New Testament. Jesus promised to send us a helper, the advocate, the comforter. Jesus said that we will know him because he will live with us and he will be in us. For you see, when Jesus promised he would come to us, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, during the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension back into heaven, he spent time with the disciples, preparing them, getting them ready to be the leaders of the church. And before he ascended again, he told them to wait in Jerusalem because in just a few days they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them that the Spirit would empower them to be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the whole earth. And then on the 50th day after Easter, at the festival of Pentecost, Jews from all over the empire were gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate. And just as Jesus had commanded, the disciples had stayed in Jerusalem and then on the day of Pentecost, they were gathered together in a house. And suddenly there was this sound like a violent wind that was blowing. And it filled the entire house where the disciples were. And then tongues of fire hovered over people's head. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages. Now, there was a crowd of people that had gathered outside of the house to see what was going on, and they were surprised to hear the disciples praising God in their own native languages. And then Peter got up, and he preached a sermon, and he said, this is what the prophet Joel said was going to happen. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. You see, God was doing a new thing. The Spirit was no longer just for special religious people, but it was for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, was moving in to live inside of every single believer. The Bible says that 3,000 people came to faith in Christ that day, and the church of Jesus Christ began in earnest. Peter, you remember him, who was once too afraid to even say that he knew Jesus, denying him three times, has suddenly been empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach a sermon that caused the church to begin to explode numerically. And as the gospel began to spread, Peter found himself beyond Judea. He found himself in Gentile territory. The gospel is spreading and one day while he was in the town of Joppa, he had this vision from the Lord about unclean food being okay to eat now. And then he woke up from this vision, and as soon as he did, he found that three men had arrived, and they were asking Peter to come with them to the town of Caesarea where a Roman centurion named Cornelius lived. 
And Peter somehow understood that their request was somehow related to his vision about the unclean food. And so he went with them. And when he got to Cornelius' house, he found that there was a large group of Gentiles already waiting for him. And Peter was very surprised because he thought that, that the gospel was only for Jewish people. And then he preached another sermon. And all of the Gentiles who heard it put their faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And the Jewish onlookers who were with Peter were surprised, but Peter said, you know what, if God has poured out the Holy Spirit on them, then no one should stop them from being baptized. And so they were. They were baptized. And then Peter went back to Jerusalem, and there he found that some of the Jewish Christians were critical of him for having gone into the home of a Gentile. For you see, Jewish Christians in those first days were still practicing a lot of the Jewish laws which prohibited Jews from eating with or even going inside the home of non-Jews. But Peter told them the story of what had happened, of what he had seen with his own two eyes, and he told them the good news at the end of the story, which we find in Acts 11. He, Peter says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Later in the book of Acts, when Paul was on one of his missionary journeys through Asia Minor, he arrived in Ephesus, and he found that there was a group of disciples already there. And for some reason, the Bible doesn't say exactly why, he asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit when they believed. I mean, that's the way it usually happens. When a person comes to faith in Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit. When we baptize people in the church, the next thing we do is lay hands on them, and we pray, the Holy Spirit, work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. But it hadn't happened that way in Ephesus for some reason. They said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. No one had told them what was supposed to happen. And so Paul asked them, what were you baptized into then? And they said they had received John's baptism. They were so misinformed that they had only received John the Baptist's form of baptism, not Christian baptism. And so Paul sat him down, and he began to teach them and talk to them about the difference, and, and then he baptized them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they had a little Holy Ghost revival breakout right then and there. So how do we get the Holy Spirit? You know, it's not so much about us getting the Holy Spirit as it is the Holy Spirit getting a hold of us. You know, each of the examples in the book of Acts is a little bit different. There isn't just one size fits all. But Scripture is clear that all we have to do is ask. Jesus teaches us that. He said, if 
You then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And once we have the Holy Spirit living in us, how do we receive help? How do we receive comfort? Well, it begins by listening. I mean, in order to hear, we have to listen. And in order to listen, we have to stop talking. For prayer is a two-way street, isn't it? It's not a one-way dissertation. Now, of course, God loves to hear from his children. I'm not trying to discourage you from asking God for what you need or, or talking to him about what's on your heart. You absolutely should do that. God wants to talk to you, too, though, through the Spirit. God wants to have a deep, personal relationship with you. And in order to hear him, we have to learn to listen to him. Now, there are a number of ways that we can hear from God, and one of the foremost ways is through Holy Scripture. When you sit down and open your Bible each and every day, ask the Spirit to guide you into all truth. Ask the Spirit to reveal to you just what you need to hear and learn from your Scripture reading on that day. The more you read Scripture, the more you're going to know God. And you should know this, the Holy Spirit never, ever contradicts the Word of God. If you're praying about a financial problem that you're having and you suddenly get this idea in your mind that the way to solve that problem is by robbing a bank, you should absolutely know that's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. Thou shalt not steal, right? If you're praying that the Holy Spirit would guide you and lead you to the perfect person that, that the Spirit wants you to marry and you find that person and they're already married, again, <laughs> you're not hearing from the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will never contradict God's Word. You know, the Bible is how God reveals Himself to us. It's how God reveals His character to us. God reveals His plans to us through Scripture. Proverbs 2.1 tells us to accept God's Word. Proverbs 3.1 tells us not to forget God's Word. And Proverbs 4.20 tells us to be attentive to God's Word. Paul writes these words about Holy Scripture in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. He says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. God's Word is our instruction manual for living God's way. If you're looking for help and comfort from the Holy Spirit, you should certainly look to the Scriptures. I think we can also discern a word from the Spirit through other believers. I mean, have you ever had a time when another believer spoke a word to you that went straight to your heart or that resonated so much with you that you knew it was a word from the Lord? I mean, if a wise man or woman who surrounds themselves with other believers who are mature in their faith, from whom they can get advice, counsel, and wisdom, surround yourself with those kinds of people. Talk to them. 
bounce ideas off of them, seek advice from them. Sometimes when I'm facing a situation and I think I know how I should move forward, I'll stop first. And I'll ask a friend who's mature in the face, someone that I think I can trust. And sometimes they confirm the direction I'm heading. And sometimes I change course based on their advice. I think group discernment with other believers can also be very helpful. Give and take with other believers in a small group or a Bible study. You can also pay attention to your circumstances. Watch what's going on around you. Watch what God is doing. Is God opening doors or is God closing doors? Does it appear that the Spirit is making the road ahead of you straight? Or do there seem to be roadblocks that are popping up everywhere? In the 16th chapter of Acts, Paul is traveling with some companions through parts of modern-day Turkey, and he's preaching the gospel along the way to anyone who would listen. Take a listen to this passage from Acts 16, verses 6 to 10, and listen for the doors of the whole, that the Holy Spirit is closing and opening. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Why would the Holy Spirit keep them from going into the Roman province of Asia to share the good news with the people who needed to hear it there? I don't know. We're not told. But it did. And so the disciples headed north, and they tried to go into a place called Bithynia, but this time we're told that the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to go there. And so they headed west to Troas, and Paul had a vision of a man calling them to come over to Macedonia. And so they went, and the gospel spread onto the continent of Europe for the very first time. You see, the Spirit shut a couple of doors and then it opened the right door for them to go through. That might happen in your life. Maybe it has happened in your life. One door closes and you're not sure why. And then God opens another door. God knows the plans he has for you. Listen. Discern. And follow the way God lays out for you. The Holy Spirit wants to be your comforter, your advocate, your counselor, your companion, your helper, your friend. Jesus bodily left this earth 2,000 years ago, but he didn't leave us alone. He kept his promise to us to send the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit lives in the hearts of minds of everyone who is a Jesus follower. you would like to know the comfort of the Holy Spirit in your own life, I invite you to join together with me. I want more of the Spirit in mine. Close your eyes and let us pray together now. Lord God, 
I confess I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Wash me clean by the precious blood of Christ and fill my heart with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your love and your power. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.